Yo, you're listening to Journey to Truth podcast, Decrypted with Joy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, before we get started, so we've, uh, we're officially sponsored now. Uh, so Journey to Truth podcast is brought to you by Omnia Radiation Balancer, which if anyone has listened to our episode with Tim Sanders, he explains this technology in detail, but it's a... Uh, he has developed a solution to negate the harmful radiation waves coming in from 5G or just even our phones in general, any microwave waves. So, and it is a patch that you put on the back of your phone. You know, we all see the organite patches. There we go. Um, you see the organite stuff, but this is supposed to be far superior to that. Uh, and it's and it, it, it basically balances the, balances our field around us stops any headaches, anxiety, all this stuff that we don't even realize is being caused by this radiation. Uh, you know, and it has all kinds of benefits when you're not being affected by it. You know, you sleep better, all that stuff. Um, this is what it looks like if you order it from the website, which the link will be below. Uh, it just comes, you can pick however many patches you want. Uh, and it explains how to use them and, you know, the benefits and blah, 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 all that stuff, you know, basically creates a field around your body against the radiation. You can put it on microwaves, smart meters, anything. Um, Wi-Fi router. Yeah, Wi-Fi router, all that stuff. So it's definitely awesome, definitely awesome. And if you listen to Tim talk about it and really break down how this works, it's using basically uh, Nikola Tesla-based technology. Uh, they're, they're developing this stuff over in London. So it's, it's pretty cool. So if you're, if you're interested in checking it out, watch the podcast, go to the website, click the link I'll, below. We'll have a link in the description. Yeah. There you go. Well, anyway, yeah. So uh, welcome to the show, Joy. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. and really happy to be here with you both. Thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so if anybody doesn't know who Joy is, um, she is might be most well known in the community for her being creator and host of uh, sci-fi and comedy decrypted which is uh i guess it's on youtube is the only place you really release it uh mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead oh no yes yes right now i have it um just on youtube so yeah and you you also like um I believe it, you know you have your your spiritual teacher, your professional spiritual teacher, a channeler, medium, or psychic medium, intuitive uh, guidance, or whatever, whatever. Hold the whole the whole spectrum. <laughs> uh, so we'll let you. Uh, we'll turn it over to you and let you tell us all about it. Uh, you, uh, sure. If we want to just start off and maybe give us a brief rundown of what this sci-fi uh, and comedy decrypted is and what your goal is and then we'll just go from there sure no thanks it, you know sci-fi and comedy decrypted um it is it's a labor of love it's something that i just started about a year ago um i actually just picked it up again recently for a new season because i i in between the first and the second i had some personal just lifey life things come up and you know family first and all that so um kind of had to go on a little bit of a hiatus but um just this beginning of this 
fall, um, we, we got going with it again. And um, the reason why I even decided to do the project in the first place is that I, for years, have noticed that a lot of um, Hollywood productions, mass media entertainment in general, has embedded um, a lot of mass mind control messages, um, symbolism hidden in plain sight and whatnot. Um, and I became aware of how intentional that is and the impact that it has on our mass consciousness at large. And being someone that's always just been a real big fan um, and aficionado of comedy and science fiction, um, you know, it just it just kind of was something I just decided to kind of give a try at in that I thought, wow, you know, if I'm noticing these things, I, I think maybe other people are too, you know, um, especially when we're seeing how powerful of a tool it is for um, like the deep state and, you know, um, these certain groups that are really trying to, you know, steer the direction of humanity as a whole. So that's what really motivated me into that work. But it's funny, the seed was kind of planted many um, years ago before, even before I guess you could say I was into anything conspiratorial or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, um, maybe even over 20 years ago in the like late nineties, I just, it was just this one moment where I'm sitting with a friend who even, even they were not, again, we were not just sitting there about talking about conspiracy theories or anything like that. We're just sitting there watching this film. And it was, um, I don't even remember what it is as a thing, but I know that it had to, it was like an action movie, it had to do with war. And my friend turned to me and he, and he goes, you know, do you notice that whenever there's a new president coming into power or new leader and you know, it's almost like they start grooming us ahead for what's about to come. And Bush Jr. had just gotten in office. And this was maybe months before, well, no, this was years before 9-11. But, you know, it, it was just interesting because I thought, you know, I think you're right. I think you're onto something there. You know, it, it's, I, I did notice kind of like this pattern that depending on the, um, who was in power and what was going on, the films were often reflective of kind of maybe what they were wanting us to go along with. Um, I remember thinking the similar, you know, I remember you know, thinking something similar when I saw Eyes Wide Shut, not that maybe a year later. Um, I wasn't really well educated about what the Illuminati was or, um, you know, what these secret occult groups were, but I just had this in intrinsic awareness of what I was seeing on film was more than just a story. Um, and then I remember it wasn't too far after that uh, it was released that there was uh, that um uh sorry what's his name <laughs> kubrick uh oh, that he passed. Kubrick? yeah that he had passed away and there was a lot of scuttlebutt around that because um they were um saying that he may have been killed for putting that film out you know because it came too close to the truth and that tom uh, cruise and nicole kidman were actually um they at one point said that they thought maybe that was true um, and then they were quickly ostracized and attacked in the media, I believe, for it. And it's not that I think that they're necessarily um, 
uncompromised people today, but I just thought it was very interesting. It just stuck with me. Um, so over time, I kind of was paying attention subconsciously whether or not I was really actively, you know, I wasn't sitting there just decoding everything. Um, but that's kind of where that seed, I think, started initially. Yeah, and that movie, knowing what we know now, if you watch that movie, uh, th that is a, the truth. It's ritual yeah. right on film. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. actually, there's some deleted scenes that are even more disturbing uh, if, if you actually get a hold of the original copy, you know, with the deleted scenes. But yeah, uh, yeah so explain, us, explain to us. So you basically take a movie in an episode and break it down and kind of just point out all the places that, you know, the, the symbolism and all that stuff. Is that what you do or break down an episode for us? Sure. Well, at the beginning, the first season, I was mostly interviewing guests and focusing on their work when they first became aware that their favorite works were more than just stories. Like, for example, I had John D'Souza on, who is the real X-Man, you know, yeah. who better than to discuss the X-Files with, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that was amazing. You know, and so the first season was more or less focused on the guests and I still will continue to have some great guests on um, where we can do that, you know, and have those discussions. Um, but this season I brought in, um, you know, sci-fi and comedy decrypted live. And in those episodes, I do take a particular franchise or piece of work and have a live interactive discussion with the audience uh, where we sit there and review and decrypt, you know, the underlying meanings of the films or the shows or literature, um, as well as the creators, because often the creators are where a lot of interesting information also comes from as far as the why the film was made. Because for me, it's not only about looking what they put into the work, why did it even get made, you know, and, and and also getting more awareness around what part the big studios play, the actors, because um, a lot of the actors that participate in these films have very interesting stories in themselves. And we just have a lot of from, from there. Yeah, there's definitely a lot that goes on before the movie even, before the script, the screenplay, before that even gets in the hands mm -hmm. of the director. You know who who's writing this? You know some of this stuff we know is the CIA. Uh, what other agencies or black budget programs are putting out this information? There's people on the inside. It's definitely uh, it's definitely not happening by accident. These that these scripts are entering our consciousness. It's so true. Um, you know Jay Dyer is an excellent person to look into um, for just looking at Hollywood, um, he's probably one of, the, one of the few people that I know of that are really prolific and taking a real deep look at Hollywood and the, um, the ritualization that's gone into it, going, I mean, going back to its inception and even going back further, um, even when I was you know, looking really at how did Hollywood start? How did these big studios you know, start building their momentum? And, really the, um, the idea of using literature or film or entertainment and theater to direct public opinion and the mass consciousness really goes back to ancient Greece, you know, back to political satires when they were using 
um, political poets and whatnot to help influence um, one side or, or the other. And as we'll see, that's going on apparently to this day, if, if not on a much larger scale, especially since the invention of the big magic box, <laughs> you know, the television. Yeah. I mean, radio was a big deal. I mean, that, that was. I mean, radio was a big deal. But once television came, they had their, um, lack of a better word, the deep state or whatnot, they had their foothold. And it was off and running from there. The studios, even going back to the 20s, the World War I, World War II, I mean, they were very much using um, Hollywood as a propaganda machine. Um, you know, just oh, recognition of the global masses. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like war films, like Pearl Harbor and all the stuff. Like uh, they put these movies out, like claiming like this is the true story of what happened. When really, it's if it, you know, potentially a false flag operation. So, but they're putting this story out to help you know mold us all and shape the society and whatever. We all know oh, how yes. that, we all know how that works, but they do this a lot in war movies. It, oh that's yeah, a, that's a big one. The USO, as a matter of fact, was supposedly part of the big agenda of like you know the the deep state going back when to Bob Hope, you know, and all those folks were supposedly a big part of, um, you know, those programs, and the propaganda machine just kind of went into every. I mean, even if you look at old literature. Um, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, that was kind of the original AI prophecy type of um, story. Um, there was a really interesting uh, series that was put out by Ridley Scott, and I think it was only about seven or eight years ago, called The Prophets of Science Fiction. And I felt he laid a lot out there uh, in that because he really went into the lack of a better term, old school science fiction creators, and, and especially with literature, even predating film, and how a lot of them claim to have divine um, inspiration behind these works. Um, especially, and, and it was interesting too, even H.P. Lovecraft and whatnot, that they were supposed to be influenced um, by dreams or by, um, or certain fears, you know, um, having prophecies. Um, Philip K. Dick supposedly was receiving um, this external um, guidance, you know, in, in, in experiencing different timelines, which kind of led him to write his books, which then were the inspiration for Blade Runner. Um, even, um, I was just mentioning in the last episode last week of, uh, of our uh, live show that uh, James Cameron claimed to have dreamt Terminator. Really? You know, that was just came to him in a dream, supposedly. You know, whether or not these are MK Ultra dreams or just organic dreams. And we hear the yeah. same thing. We hear a lot of uh rock stars say the same thing. A lot of a lot of the songs that you mm -hmm. can't escape from. You, every sports stadium in the world plays them every time, you know. Uh those songs aren't accidentally pop popular. And and if you really listen to the writer, how they came up with the idea, they have it. They'll have something like that. It, it, it just came to them in a dream, or they heard a voice or something. Isn't um, that something? Yeah. 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 Have you guys Have you guys seen or heard of the movies Iron Sky? Uh, it's a, It's about heard of it. 
it's about Hitler uh, like de developing UFOs and and you know the whole that whole thing and and uh, and then the sequel is about <clears throat> so something happens on earth so they have to go to the moon there's they have their german base on the back side of the moon they go to the moon and they're living there because earth is essentially destroyed well now the moon's getting ready to get destroyed and they discover that the earth is hollow and there's civilizations inside earth so then they go back to earth and to inner earth uh, <laughs> Gosh. And, and then you know there's dinosaurs and stuff down there and then they like hitler's riding the back of a t-rex like it's really it's really <laughs> like it's really like b film sci-fi but uh it, it's so there's so much disclosure this it's, it's yeah. very cheesy but so much disclosure it's almost Lovely. like it's like straight up in your face so real that people would never believe it you know yeah, well, that's what I've learned, especially with with uh, a lot of sci-fi. It's like they put so much disclosure in those because that's the way they're getting out a lot of the truth of what's going on. And it's like they view it as like we're telling everyone what we're doing by putting it out in these sci-fi and fiction movies and stories and um, without coming out and blatantly saying this is the truth of what's happening they're they're putting it all out there and uh because that's that's how they that's how the magic works you know with that that's how they um kind of get around the universal karmic laws it's like yeah. well we're, we're putting it out there we're, we're not hiding anything <laughs> even though yeah. they are you know they uh they're still putting it out there so um yeah, no, that's just it's it's all part of the operation. That's it's standard procedure for them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And even television, you know, I mean, television was, you know, I I grew up in the country when I was coming up. So I didn't have cable television or anything like that for a long time. But, you know, we had like four channels. And if it got windy, you had two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I grew up on like um PBS and a lot of old reruns of a lot of series and, and things like that. And what was really interesting even for me to learn later on is just how many of these television series and even PBS series like Sesame Street and whatnot had a lot of in, embedded really? messages and hidden meetings and hidden meetings and things. I mean, Jim Henson himself was quite an interesting character. Um, supposedly Sesame Street was part of the MK Ultra program really and yeah i mean don't be wrong i i grew up on sesame street I mean, it's me too yeah near and dearer you know but at the same time now i think i you know is it makes sense yeah it makes sense yeah because there was there were some themes that well, jim henson uh, i mean look at the dark crystal oh there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah like, that was we discussed that one just a few weeks ago you know it's funny because that was this with the new series that came out i haven't and, seen the new one yet i, I want to I need, I need to see it yeah. he supposedly got the inspiration from that well what i had read is that um according to one of the screenwriters that he made it mandatory that those working very closely with the film read seth speaks by jane roberts ah. which is he yeah. was in a very spiritual time of his life, apparently, when he was making the original film, um, according to people around him. 
and he was raised Christian scientist, um, oh, really? but then had, even to the point of teaching Sunday school in his early 20s, but then departed from that. You know, at some point he did denounce his faith, um, and it was really a little bit ambiguous as to why that was specifically, but apparently the Dark Crystal was supposed to have um, some of his own personal spiritual philosophies really embedded into it. It was really his baby. He had worked on it a long time. Um, he um, had already been in the industry almost 20 years before he had even you know, really made it big as a, as a filmmaker, a creator. I don't think the Muppets got made until, um, yeah, he'd already been going at it for almost 20 years and then some really famous entertainer uh, in Britain kind of bankrolled the Muppets and, and, and then that took off. And then the Dark Crystal was a big departure yeah. kind of from that. <laughs> um, and, I remember, and apparently that, that was part of the critical acclaim at the beginning because, you know, people were used to Jim Henson and they're thinking they're going to see this film with Muppets and- Happy go lucky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. yeah. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. And yet it has so much symbology in it about spiritual ascension. Yeah. Referring to an external savior. Um, the whole idea of the uh, one world government mm -hmm. trying to be established. Um, you have the dark crystal, inner earth, yep. uh, artificial means so to enhance oneself. It was, yeah. It's like every um, aspect of disclosure, <laughs> pretty much. It's all in there. Yeah. Yep. It was yeah. a fun one to look at. It, it, it has so much. And then the new series, it's, it's really seems to be falling um, in keeping with that, uh, I would say, you know, because oh, yeah. his family actually did maintain a certain amount of creative control, I guess, going forward. But now, how do you feel about like scary movies as far as like horror films, as, as far as? um disclosing like the negative practices the satanic practices that a lot of these uh uh whatever yeah whatever i'm trying to say elite, yeah elite Dark practices. Cult practices and yeah. things yeah but do you think do you think that that is um that's what we're seeing in a lot of these a lot of these films you know it's not just a scary movie it's like i think when you watch one of those movies like that energy enters your household I, I'm a firm yeah. believer of that, and yeah. and it's really affecting the person's life. It's not just a movie. Now, oh, yeah. maybe I'm in, insane for thinking that, but I, I, I believe that could be the case. I, you know, from my experience and research, I think that's 110 percent the case. Um, you know, the mind in my, I, I believe that the mind is the ultimate weapon. Once they have your mind done yeah you know if you're not the master of, of your own mind then really it's going to be a whole grab bag of things that happen in your life you know because you're not going to be the director of your yeah. show with horror films particularly i have struggled i i really can't watch them these days and i and and, and that's the reason being i think as disturbing as it is to think about they're putting many real world rituals and symbolism that they use to try and terrorize humanity. Mm -hmm. um, 
into a, into being just afraid to even go out your front door, to be afraid to even go into your own inner world. Um, you know, fear is usually the motivating factor I find be, behind any control system. You know, um, separation from our own mind and fear, separation of heart. You know, with that those are the ultimate control tools. Uh, especially the really sadistic horror films like Saw and um, the Batman, the Dark Knight films. Uh, I won't watch them now. You know, I saw the earlier ones, but when I realized what was going on, and and not because I thought I was that susceptible personally, I just didn't want to support it. I mean, I read about them. (laughs) So, I mean, I watched clips so I get the gist so I can speak to them. Mm -hmm. But I think they're the more recent examples of how um, they're inciting you know, dark, um, dark magic into film and, you know, these shootings and whatnot. Now I, I don't, I'm not saying that the shootings, they didn't have more of a heavy hand maybe in engineering these acts to take place than the movies themselves. I mean, I'm not just saying someone went in and they just went berserk, but clearly, um, just like the crow was another example I like to use of that, um, with Brandon Lee. I can remember seeing that movie when it first came out in the theater. Um, and he was unfortunately, you know, died during the um, making of it um, by a, uh, there was supposed to be a prop that was a firearm that had blanks in it and it went wrong and he shot himself. Yeah. And if you look at the film itself, it's a very dark film. Very, very dark. You'll kind of look at the Bruce Lee empire and whatnot, who, I mean, I, I've been a huge fan of Bruce Lee my whole life. Um, there was a mass consciousness effect from that film at that time when, when that happened. No one left that film unaffected. Yeah. It was really kind of, you know, it was a powerful thing to understand, to, to, to start to understand what was going on. And I'm noticing this increasingly now with, with certain films. It's... It, it does seem as if they're trying to entice us into participating in their own ritual. Yes. Yeah. Well, either that, or you know, they, their favorite thing is probably you. You know, you watch the movie, you, you're scared to death, you leave. You know, and like, well, at least good thing that stuff's not real. You know, they want you to think like it's. So you're you're getting fed the medicine, but you know, basically, you're not. You don't realize you are. You know. Right. So yeah, exactly. So it gives it the, uh, the, the giggle factor to, you know, kind of just, oh, it's just in movies, you know, and oh, definitely, you know, the boogeyman, that's not, yeah, that's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, just a yeah. movie. Yeah. So, if, so if anyone talks about stuff, it's, oh, you got it from this movie or this show. And- I think you see that a lot in comedy, um, which is almost more subtle because they really get us to let, let our defenses down. Um, as much as I love science fiction, comedy was my first love because it just, it was one of those things when I was really struggling as a young person, you know, I found a lot of comfort in comedy and it it was one of those places where I felt safe to escape. And yet I've gained an understanding that comics, you know, you look at, what a comic or comedian is, you know, even in the archetype of a comic, you know, you look at the the Joker, the magician, the fool, and even in esoteric teachings, they're actually one of the most powerful archetypes 
um, yes. that exist because they're really about transformation. Um, they're, they're about the human personality and they are ones that steer often public opinion. And I mean, who hasn't seen a comic who we know and love, like perfect example, Robin Williams, and then suddenly they go and play a very dark role. There's almost nothing more off-putting than seeing yeah. a comedian do a dark role because they're so good at it. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, they're tapping into something very intrinsic. Comedians have to be, I mean, to be good at being a comedian, you have to be intuitive. You have to read that room so fast. Smart as a whip and very socially and culturally aware. I, I think there's some of the most um, genius artists of the entertainment industry and that's why they're used so heavily in talk shows now, especially political talk shows and TV and whatnot, because again, they disarm us, right? When you, when you get to laughing about these things, they become much easier to talk about. Now, that could be a good thing. You know, don't be wrong. I, I love humor and I think it can be very heart-centered humor can, and it could be a beautiful, beautiful tool. I mean, we need laughter, otherwise we do fail to thrive, but it could also be a really powerful weapon. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things they're great at is taking a dark aspect, a dark situation and making light of it. Um, they can make a joke about, they can make child sex trafficking seem phony. And, you know, just like yeah. that, I don't need, I haven't watched it yet because I refuse to, I don't even know if it's real, but I've seen it floating around, the Will Ferrell comedy skit that jokes about uh, child sex tra child trafficking, basically. Mm -hmm. And there's like shows like there's like children in like dog kennels and stuff in cages and and it's supposed to be a comedy skit. I didn't watch it. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. I uh, haven't seen that one yet. Amazingly, it's just, it just was like oh. a day or two ago. Oh, uh, oh, they're ramping it up. Um, I was gonna watch the new Saturday Night Live, and that sounds like something that <sighs> I have seen a lot of like pedophilia being put in comedy over the last. Just like few years or so, yeah. yes. That's it. As like, haha, and it's like uh, Family Guy. Yeah, the, the, they they have a mainstay pedophile on Family Guy. Yeah, perfect example. Yeah, and everybody thinks it's hilarious when they. I mean, you know, I mean, it start. I mean, it was just, yeah. Oh well, Seth, he just makes fun of everyone. You know, he he kind of came from that. Well, I just pick, there's nothing's off limits. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly we're just all having a giggle at the fact that there's a creepy pedophile that's trying to hit on the on the kid next door every day. Yeah. Yeah. And even locks him in the basement in an episode and all this really, you know, and it's yeah. Yeah. It's it's an attempt to normalize it. It's been happening and now that shit's hitting the fan, it's half they're ramping everything up, you know. They, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy right now. Well, Saturday Night Live was going to be one in the next couple of weeks that I do. Um, I have to get caught up with the new season, actually, but I'm noticing they're going in the topics now, and they're just getting... Saturday Night Live is actually one of the ones that are really prolific and have had some very interesting characters. In I mean, you got Dan Aykroyd, The Men in Black, Jim Belushi, yeah. Blues Brothers, the whole... You know, they've been trying to put the whole... Um, I guess you'd say UFO conspiracy type narratives out there, but with a mockery around it. And yeah. yet when you look at like Dan Aykroyd, for example, who's very active and- He's very 
<laughs> into ETs and yeah. UFOs. Yeah. And, you know, he told a story not too long ago, or I've, I've read in articles where, you know, he's said he felt like a daughter to Britney Spears and that she uh, was, he was on the phone with her one day. He was, I think he was on set doing some for Saturday Night Live. You mean to say he felt like a father to Britney Spears? You said daughter. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, but I was like, really? <laughs> this makes it so much more complicated. No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Flip it, reverse it. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that he had become like a father to her, father figure. So I guess he, he to explain why that they talked a lot. And um, I guess he had had some kind of par some experience on set with some men in black coming on the set and he was telling Brittany about this and I'm reading this article going, yeah, you don't just have conversations with Brittany Spears and write about it. No, you don't. Yeah. And yeah. And you don't just dress like the men in black for years and just suddenly, Oh, I'm kind of into the ET thing. And I, I'm, I'm totally unbiased and I'm, I'm an independent experiencer. Never mind this whole thing I'm in has been trying to steer the direction of public opinion about this topic for over 30 years. Yeah. Um, they've had many other skits about the ET abductees and I mean, they're hilarious in their own right. I mean, I'm not, you know, yeah. nothing against the, I mean, they're really good at it, but those themes have been there. Coneheads. Um, Coneheads. And then we have also just the, the political leanings. Um, Eddie Murphy, you know, he's, become kind of an interesting character to look at. I mean, there's probably not one com comedian from the SNL cast over the years that doesn't have some kind of interesting background or story or, um, and even, you know, Laura Michaels, the creator himself was, you know, he's a very um, big figure and big part of um, Hollywood and uh, almost Canadian royalty. So, yeah. Saturday Night Live has been a big part of, um, yeah, of, of, of steering that machine for many years with comedy. You know, you don't really, you can't throw a stone at a comedian without there being some relationship to that show. Sure. Worldwide, it seems. I, uh, yeah, totally. <clears throat> actually, I actually met Dan Aykroyd in Las Vegas when I was like 22. Really? Yeah, and he it was, it was, we were down there on Halloween, which is ironic. You know, we're doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, wow. He was dressed up as the Blues Brothers or the Men in Black. Uh, nice. And um, we actually just were coming in the casino the same time he was. And uh, he, we said hi to him. And I don't, I don't even wow. remember the conversation, you know. But he was cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know why I just had to add it in there. No, well, he's, I mean, I've always admired his, I mean, who doesn't like Dan Aykroyd? I remember Dragnet with him and Tom Hanks mm -hmm. and the whole Illuminati. Well, it wasn't, it was the, that whole scene with the Ku Klux Klan and they're in this kind of, they walk in this like satanic ritual and they had to go undercover as uh, like infiltrating this big, like a, uh, ritualistic sacrifice and this and that um then he was in like spies like us which was about the whole cold war yeah thing and i started to look at just his work and then coneheads the blues brothers and then then he comes out with um being a contributor to mufon and 
just kind of, I just kept thinking, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, not just exclusively him, but he's been particularly more um, upfront and outspoken about it. And then I started to think, well, why? Yeah. Oh, and then I'm going, oh, yeah. because you, you, you are supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was just on Joe Rogan's podcast talking all about. I know, was just going to say that. I listened to a little bit. I of forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah. trying to get a read on him there of like, what is this guy? Is he like being used for that narrative or is he just on his own interested in this and genuinely just curious and like done his research? And I, I couldn't really tell. It could have gone either way for me from that, just from what I watched there. But um, it seemed like he, like he's, I don't think he's too much into the spiritual side of things at all. You know, he's still very like, at the very least, he only, he thinks, he thinks ETs exist, they're here, they're flying around, um, there are other places in the universe, and we have their technology, and so we have our own stuff too, and um, kind of that whole general, like... Nuts and bolts aspect. Nuts and bolts, more the nuts and bolts narrative, at least, if even if he's not aware or being used for the nefarious stuff, he's at least just in the nuts and bolts. Um and it did seem like he was a little bit like on the side of uh they they could be dangerous we need to be careful like we uh you know like it's kind of like like uh, bts are um they just view us as like these you know we're humans that can't defend ourselves so they can do whatever they want and we need to like acknowledge that so you know, it just takes out the whole spiritual aspect of everything where it's like they mm. actually have compassion for us and would love us or want to help us. It's like we're just these things to be used and exploited by them. Maybe that's why you thought we should be Ghostbusters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, those are questions I've asked myself almost about every entertainer that I have to look into. You know, I, I try not to condemn anyone, you know, and for one thing, it's probably easy even for me to, I mean, I assume anyone that's willingly participating or by under duress in these narratives are just as traumatized and influenced as the victims, usually. Yeah. You know, predators are often made, not born, in my opinion. Um, uh, and Dan Aykroyd is one of many that has also been outspoken about the fact that he's had some... I, th I think uh, emotional and mental health issues and um, is kind of reclusive in his downtime. And he's, he's an interesting bird, if nothing else, to read about uh, for sure. Um, even if he himself, like you said, was not cognizant of what was going on, I think the writing and the, the mechanism that he oh, yeah. tries to get involved with um, definitely has and wants us to follow their agenda for disclosure. Oh yeah. Um, with the limited hangouts and whatnot that seem to be around. Yeah, whether he's that. aware of, of it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I was just gonna say that I always I always wonder like how much these people are actually aware of. Like they might sign on or agree to do something having real no real understanding of what they just agreed to do. Yeah. So they, or they, being they, influenced, you know, by like MK Ultra, you know, or just being messed with. Yeah. Exactly. 
I'm sure there's a lot of that going on too. There, yeah. It's a whole recipe of stuff, you know. It's it's coming at them from all angles, and we're it's coming at us from all angles. You can't escape it. That's you just have to take control of your own mind, like you said, and just really learn how to decipher what's what. There you go. The sovereignty of the mind going in, into these things with awareness is a very powerful uh, place to to come from. I mean, it's it's really what my work, even before, I mean, my, my psychic work and as a spiritual teacher has always been grounded in developing, you know, heart and mind uh, resonance as a way of making us, you know, able to be just the powerful co-creators that we are of our own reality. Um, so we're not always deferring out here and looking out here for that external savior or um, susceptible to mass mind control techniques because once you're aware, then those things really do start to fall flat. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yep. And that's part of yeah. the reason, like I quit watching scary movies. I quit watching most movies uh, unless, you know, I have to finish the Star Wars series and you know, I gotta go go see that once it comes out but oh yeah in <laughs> um, those films themselves you know there's a lot of secret space program disclosure within oh, Star yeah. Wars. oh yeah it's mentioned in the raw material which is a, a work that I uh, it's, the, the law of one oh, is a spiritual oh. principle that's been a, a big touchstone of my work for a long time and the raw material one of the few books it references um, is Star Wars as being at a very rudimentary level, the best analogy of kind of what we've been going through from the transition of say third density, or some people think of the third dimension um, in spiritual terms, consciousness terms to the fourth and so forth that it, I mean, no, no pun intended me the fourth. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. It's, it, it really does touch on so many, um, things that we're going through right now, you know, and the polarity, the light and the dark side, you know, trying to um, become the masters of our own domain. Well, even the force is basically, yes. is essentially what we're, is real. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's real, but and it's just, we're all capable of, we could move something yeah. with our mind, you know, we just don't know how we're being, we're not taught to do it. No, inside us is a Jedi. You know, I mean, inside all, every one of us is a Jedi. That's one of my favorite analogies to use when I'm working with someone. You know, um, I mean, for those that are really familiar with that concept, it, if anything, I use that a lot. And it's not that there's not lots of female science fiction, but for some reason, with men in particular, when I start talking about Star Wars and the Force the spiritual concepts for them get very grounded very fast. Because <laughs> it's a very, it, it is, it's, it's an archetypal explanation of what we're going through. There's so many powerful metaphors embedded within it that, you know, within us is a very powerful Jedi um, that we just need to, um, once we tune into that, you know, the dark forces really won't have any sustainable ground to work with. Um, because yeah. the way I see it, everything that we experience, on some level, we're co-creating. And like you were saying um, earlier, um, both of you touched on it, that they need us to give, they being whomever's trying to enslave us. I mean, you can kind of pick, I mean, it just anytime a group is trying to enslave another group, 
they need our permission. They need our minds to go with them. Um, so, you know, once we become our own Jedi's, you know, Darth Vader really can't do much (laughs) to us at that point. Nailed it. Well, well, he's dead now, anyway. So we have to worry. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. the next. No. Yeah. Tell the reboot. No. No. Okay. No. Okay. He's back. So let's shift gears a little bit. Tomorrow is Halloween, uh, and I don't know. You know, that's another thing we've been fooled. Another aspect we've been fooled, or how we've been fooled. I cannot talk today. Um, so the real meaning of Halloween is not what we think it is. You know. And that's just um, that goes along basically with every every holiday. I would I would have to say, you know, Christmas. I could, I don't have to name them all, but yeah. I was just curious if you had any insight or any opinions on on what Halloween means to you. Oh no, it's a great question, and it's evolved for certain over many years. You know, I I was never deep down very comfortable with this idea that it was supposed to be a fright fest this time of year, uh, like this ritual, I, I didn't get it. You know, I didn't get the whole, um, yeah, the celebrating fear once a year, yeah. essentially. I think James Spader said it once, you know, he, he just thought how, you know, how interesting that once a year we get dressed up in funny little costumes just to celebrate fear. Yeah. And really that's, that's the thing that you would think we've been trying to um, overcome. And you know, many ancient cultures, this time of year was about much more grounded and spiritually symbiotic, um, you know, uh, symbiotic with the earth type of uh, rituals. It was more about just honoring that external and internal harvest. It's a time of transformation, transcendence. Um, this is usually about the time of year too that we spiritually start kind of downshifting to kind of get ready to go into wintertime. Well, depending on where you live, of course, a bit, but we all go through the same cycles, basically. And so this cycle in particular is when we're trying to harvest what we've culminated since the spring and the summer. And our dreams accelerate. People will usually start to know, if, if they don't notice, if, if you start to kind of pay attention, our dreams start getting really ramping up. You're probably less likely to remember them this time of year, actually, because we have so many that unless you're really actively working with them, it can be a lot to take in. Um, it's, it's a very beautiful time of year. But yeah, it, the Western culture has really adopted, unfortunately, this um, kind of satanic, mm-hmm. like a better word, uh, unheart-centered ritual of Halloween that yeah. many years ago was just about celebrating transformation. And it was the original New Year. It was really the original New Year. Yeah, I think the cabal might be a reason for steering it that mm-hmm. way as well and uh and halloween's a big dark ritual day for them as well unfortunately um oh, yeah. and they use the energy of halloween for that for that reason so you know it makes sense that they would kind of steer it to become what it's become so they can kind of like harvest yeah. the energy we all put into it in that way and uh, that's true they're yeah. probably hanging out in some type of cloaked craft above these haunted houses, 
collecting all this fear that everybody's releasing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, and it, and it just goes into the, the earth grid as well and, and affects yeah, exactly. mass consciousness and that affects everyone. Yeah. Oh, but. yeah. It's, a, it's supposed to be um, on the occult calendar, um, a very powerful time for rituals, light or dark. But like you were saying, because they've got us so in, entrained with it currently that yeah the the more they, they can sit there and, and yeah they, it's it's a fuel it's a feed um i know david wilcock and and cory good they speak to loosh you know that term yeah. loosh and yeah. in the law of one that's addressed and a lot of other spiritual even the bible i mean they i mean yeah. fear that separation from you know that is a fuel for um for darker energy and ent entities and forces it's because it, it's a cannibalistic state of being to be um in a dark or service of self orientation after a certain point is almost cannibalistic because you have to feed yeah. constantly it's like chasing the dragon and, and like heroin addiction i mean you yeah you got to get that fixed uh, like Darth Vader, you know, or all those, I mean, when the force starts to, you know, that's why Darth Vader, when Anakin, I mean, you can see when people are losing their life force physically. I mean, they change. You can see when somebody's not right, when they're in the dark zone. It, yeah. um, it's not something they can easily mask, especially if they've been in it for a long enough time. Even looking at certain politicians and whatnot, they just, yeah look like vader <laughs> lack of a better word sure, sure. yeah it's a hard road yeah exactly so what is your best heavy ghost story have you had any paranormal experiences uh that you wouldn't mind sharing with us not at all i i've had a lot of paranormal experiences but as far as one that is um i guess you'd say more in keeping with the theme of Halloween. I'll, I'll go back to an experience I had many years ago. I had a, a paranormal society in, in Seattle. And this was before I was really aware of why and how we experience darker or lower vibrational entities. I wasn't aware that our vibration has as much to do with what type of experiences we can have with beings, um, multi-dimensional beings either embodied or disembodied and so if what i wasn't aware of is, is if, if you go looking for just experiences you're gonna get them <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean in other words you're kind of yeah. getting them permission there's a certain amount of permission being given and so you're going to get a mixed bag of things and one of my earlier investigations was actually kind of cliche. It was just um, some friends of mine and I were going to a local cemetery, a very, very old cemetery in, in the heart of Seattle, um, just after the sun was going down. But because we kind of missed um, before it had gotten really dark, we decided we didn't want to push our luck um, and trespassing, you know, after dark and all that. But it had kind of a nice pathway where you can just walk around the perimeter and then just on the other side of the street, which is kind of residential. So a couple of my friends kind of decided to go off one direction. And then my girlfriend and I decided to just walk down this other side of the cemetery. 
And so we're just walking. And, you know, at that point, we weren't really expecting anything to happen. We kind of just thought we missed our opportunity to really do much of anything. So we were just really going for a walk, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and just kind of taking it in. And I want to say we got maybe half, you know, halfway down the road and we're just chit-chatting. And all of a sudden we just both stop at the same time. And we both just turn and look at this spot in the cemetery. It couldn't really see much though. It was very dark and I can't explain it. And neither could she, but it was just this feeling of, we have to leave. We have to leave right now. And just as we were turning to leave, I started to feel this pressure just pushing on me really heavy and this really low, low hum just started vibrating like my skull. Um, I couldn't breathe very well. I was, um, and I didn't even know, I, I mean, I hadn't said a word to her all. We were just trying to kind of book it across the street, you know, cause she, it was weird. She kind of had the same feeling, but we hadn't really verbalized to each other what was, what we we're experiencing. And, and then as we get to the other side of the street to walk back towards our car, I hear it go, Oh my God, do you feel that? Joy, it's not stopping. Joy, it's not stopping. And then I realized she's experiencing it too. And I, rem and I realized we were having an attack. I, I wasn't nearly as versed as I am now in dealing with such things, but I remember something my guides once told me to try and um, if, you, if you had to send something away that you, you didn't want to give permission to. And I just said, you know, uh, it, I was lucky to remember it because I was pretty freaked out. It was starting to really feel like I was going to not be able to continue walking. And I said, uh, progress and move on, progress and move on. And I was actually thinking it. I wasn't even saying it. I was just like, progress and move on, progress and move on. And as I'm walking, I just start to feel lighter and lighter and lighter. And then finally, by the time we got close to the car, it was like, she's like, oh, I can, she goes, I can breathe now. Mm, I go, I so can I. Yeah, I know that feeling. I, I, uh, I went to a paranormal investigation in Onondaga Cave here in St. Louis. They open a cave up for us at night and they, a group of 12 people go in there and get free range of the cave. You don't have to follow the, the, the walkways and stuff. You can go anywhere you want. It's awesome. And uh, you're ghost hunting, essentially. Well, on the way home, see, I didn't put up any type of protection or anything. On the way home, I'm driving home. And I was supposed to go meet up with a friend and it, something just entered me. I felt like a wave come over me and it just made me nauseous. Like that super heavy feeling. I almost had to pull over the vehicle. I didn't know what was happening, but then at the same time I did know, I was like something that just attached itself to me. And for like two weeks, my whole life was just, I was just like in this funk and I went to this mm -hmm. psychic fair and there was a Reiki healer there. And she immediately was like drawn to me or whatever. And uh, she's like, you want a session, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I'm, I just got here, I'm gonna walk around. And then I left and I came back and she goes, okay, so you ready to remove this thing? And I was like, what do you, she felt it. She goes, as soon as you walked away, she goes, anytime there's somebody's attachment, when they walk away from me, I break out in a sweat. And she knew. So then she ended up like doing, like removing this thing from me in the middle of this affair. But uh, I know that feeling. It's it's totally like if, if it hadn't left you then, 
it can stick with you. It really can. So that's why it's important to put up protection. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's entity attachments and things like that. I know I get asked about them all the time. You know, how do I deal with them? You know, and, and how do I, how do I track them and this, this and that, but you know, ultimately it is just about that, you know, realizing that we're more powerful beings and, and not looking for it. It, it. it does help not to go looking for it to a certain extent. I, I, I learned that I, I had to end my paranormal society when I came to the awareness that I was attracting these things. Sure. And, you know, and it's innocent enough. I mean, I don't, I don't blame people for wanting to explore these things at all. You know, it's a very natural, I think, intrinsic thing within us to do that. Um, but then when we become aware that we're vibrational beings, you know, and that, you know, density literally means like density, you know, like heavy, you know, it's the, the, the lighter and density that we become, they just can't really see us. You know, it's almost like we just, we just go up to another octave. And so, you know, we just stop interacting with them after a certain point in our evolution. So they become kind of obsolete in our, in our progression over time is my understanding as we spiritually evolve. But while we're kind of still in the duality of this, you know, transition, you know, we're still very um, eligible to, you know, engage with these forces that, um, you know, they're, they're always waiting because that's what, it's, it's what they do. You know I mean? It's just a very natural thing. It's what they do. It's yeah. Now, do, you, do you believe that like at this particular time of year, the veil is thinner than the rest of the year and uh, more spirits for lack of a better term are able to come enter our, our reality? Is that, or do you think that's the case or what, what, what do you think about that? I do believe that there are cycles where there is a uh, certain energies that are supportive of transformation and transitioning. And so, yes, short answer is yes, I do. I do think this is a time, and this is why rituals were performed. Um, also, I mean, I mean, just for benevolent purposes uh, for millennia by certain cultures, because it was a very powerful time to bring in what you wanted, which of course can also bring in what you don't want if you're focused on the other end of it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I really do. I mean, I think this can be an amazing, I mean, it's an amazing time of year, really. It's just how you wield it. You know, it's always the intention, as they say. Yeah. We bring to it. Exactly. Absolutely. Intention's but, everything, really, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Aaron, you got any uh, ghost stories for us? Mm. I re I really don't have uh, have any kind of paranormal stories like that. Um, I've heard a lot. <laughs> I've heard a lot of. I've had a lot of other people tell me some crazy stories. Um, that reminds me of a comedian. Is like, do you do you work? Do you do you jog? It's like, no, but I know people that do jog. <laughs> 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 jog a lot. Yeah. Does that count? Uh, yeah, I know. No, I've, I've had. Um, I have heard reasons. some. I have heard some crazy stories though, and and some from some people that I have been pretty close with that I know for a fact they're not lying to me. They're not making this up. At the very least, somehow they believe this is real, yeah. whether it happened yeah. or not. That like one hundred percent, you know. So. 
and which is why hearing a lot of the stories that have happened to you that you tell to me that you know gives me at least so much credibility to it because i know you really well and i know you're not making this stuff up and uh yeah yeah it's there's something me, right yeah yeah, yeah. joy too yeah <laughs> oh that's okay yeah. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate what you're saying. No, I, I, and, and same here. I, I've heard some stories where, wow, yeah, that, you know, you, you can see it in a person too. I mean, really, when they've experienced something. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, tell, yeah, they're, <laughs> it's coming from a real place in them. It's not, they're not just making yeah. this up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, yeah, I, there's some type of uh that's where our intuitive abilities come in you know if mm -hmm. it, it, the more intuitive you are you really can tell if somebody's being deceptive or not as far as telling hey this happened you know or, or this didn't happen yeah it, it i was just saying with, with dreams um for some reason in particular i think the majority of my um more negative experiences came in dreams when I was more susceptible and things like that. Um, but, you know, as far as having things more in the th 3D, you know, things like that, um, you know, throughout my lifetime, there, there were some interesting things, you know, um, but it was usually, you know, there was usually something else involved, you know, there was usually some variable involved, like another person, you know, or, um, cause I don't know. I was pretty fortunate in that I always felt some kind of protection since I came in. Um, I'd, I'm pretty lucky because I probably do have nine lives, as they say, you know, and, and some of the stuff that I messed with and went into, I probably had to have some kind of fine protection going through them because sure. um, I was so curious, you know, and and yeah. when you're naive and you just, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so sometimes I did have one entity follow me back and, and try to get me in a dream. Um, actually, it was trying to get me to do harm, you know, um, to others. And I, 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 just, I dismissed it immediately. I mean, it didn't, it didn't um, take hold on me, but I realized I needed to do some clearing right away. Um, and then there was another where I actually got physically attacked and got bit. In a dream and I wow. actually woke up a bit really um, not to the point of being scarred but to where I was in a lot of pain uh, when I was younger I had a nightmare that I was getting pounded in my legs and I woke up with terrible terrible um, like yeah you know, that's, that's so interesting because I have heard that before a lot that people they'll get hit or they'll something will physically hurt them in a dream they'll wake up and they'll have like a bruise or a mark yeah. in that exact spot and yeah, that's yeah. really interesting yeah. it's like somehow it manifests uh on their body even though it just happens in in the astral or the dream realm yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. tyler that's happened to you before right anything like that yeah yeah i've, I've never disclosed it yet okay <laughs> i just know you've had a lot of like um as far as yeah, waking up with a physical, well, I've, I've woken up in pain, you know, from the certain things, but they were experiences, you know, like. Yeah, I know you've had like sleep paralysis and seeing yeah. in your room and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But like the, the reality of waking up and carrying it into your life, you know, the pain. Yeah. yeah. The one was, I just explained on uh, the Alora's show I was just talking about, how I woke up. 
I, my experience was I was thrown on the ground of this craft and we were taken to the moon basically as slaves. And we were on some type of old technology because I could feel the G-force and it was so intense. It, your whole body, it, you couldn't hardly, you felt like you were going to explode. And I woke up out of the experience in the middle of that flight and I woke up in bed with that pain and it stuck with me. I was curled up in a ball. I couldn't move. It was horrible. Uh, and it was, I've never felt anything like it. And I'm, and I don't know that I ever will because unless I'm on a, some type of craft that can recreate what I felt, you know? Wow. But other than that, yeah, there's been a couple others. Yeah. Well, our dreams are a time like with meditation and whatnot, but especially in the sleep, you know, it's when our defense, it's when our mind is the most out of the way, our conscious mind. So it's, it's a perfect opportunity for us to explore many different levels and dimensions. And then it's also can be an opportunity for other beings and entities, depending kind of where we're at to engage as well. Cause we're, we're, there's just less to get in the way. I've, I've had, um, you know, prophetic dreams, visionary dreams, um, apocalyptic dreams, and, you know, uh, some that I, you know, you can tell were, um, were more of a, of a, of a traveling type dream, you know, more of, uh, and then there's some where, you know, I was actually interacting with beings, you know, other beings that were, um, trying to give me information um some prophetic dreams you know things like that yeah. um and then i started to realize in meditation similar things occurring but it was just much easier in in, in the dream state because it's so out of our own way you yeah. know and that's what propelled me into working with dreams um at a deeper level um it's just something i've always been a very vivid dreamer a very uh sensitive person and i was introduced to a channeler and a very um really good uh dream analyst when i was about 15 years old who um passed away not too long after um this was back when i was living in california where i grew up and um a lot of the what a lot of what she taught me really stayed with me even though i still had so much more to learn it, it really stayed with me as far as what our dreams are and what it meant and what their potential was. So ever since that time, when I would have a dream though, it, it, it I was aware that it was just such a big part of, you know, who we are and, and how we experience things and that it really was just a different octave or a different, you know, <clears throat> phase of our, our multidimensional nature. Yeah. And, and, and that when we Real become aware of it, we can, um level yeah it's not a physical like this realm that we're in it's it's uh the etheric yeah. state yes the exactly. etheric state. there you go and and then when we become aware of that we can work with them and actually be much more in control you know and, and work with them with intention yeah it can be yeah. incredibly powerful and, and it wasn't until i started doing that when i really became conscious of working with my dreams it all changed I no longer have experiences where I feel in my dreams I'm ever out of a state of control or I'm really in fear. It's more of just say, oh, what's happening? Mm -hmm. um, 
if I'm not doing something a certain way that's maybe not in my best interest, my dreams tell me right away. And they may even be a little intense and scary, but I'm aware that's what's happening. And the dreams that I have that involve actual other beings tend to be a little different than other types that I have. So I've kind of learned to distinguish when I'm actually meeting with my guides versus when I'm meeting with just more my archetypal, you know, just clearing dreams or teaching dreams, which we all have each night, you know, and those things. And um, it's amazing what we can really gain from that and just the waking time, you know, from, from working with them. And then, and then it just starts to kind of just, you know, there creates like a synergy, you know, between the waking and the dream state to where they become this just powerful tool um, that we have. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And if you learn how to use that tool, it can change your life, you know, you really could start steering you in the right direction. I'm, I'm guilty of not doing that like I should. I, I know I need to be writing down my dreams. Um, I just don't wake up early enough to do it. I, I wake up and give myself 10 minutes to get out the door to go to work. You know? Yeah, you're like me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. I'm a mom. I've written on cereal boxes. <laughs> no, I understand. I mean, I do this for a living. I don't always do it. You know, it's not like I wake up and it's always just... <laughs> It's just blissful. I've got my little book and I'm just, no, no, it's, it's not like that every day, but, but what I'll, what I've gotten in the habit of, and it's just like martial arts or anything else, you know, it kind of, kind of, you know, you just get a practice going and I will just try and have a pen somewhere, yeah. <laughs> anywhere. I'll write on anything in shorthand as I'm going to, even if it's just a few keywords, and I'll do this after meditation now as well, because when I realized it was such a powerful tool for dreams, I realized I was, I was experiencing a similar issue with meditation. Um, I'd have these messages and great guidance come forward. But if I stopped meditating and then just went into my day or whatever else I was doing, short-term memory, it, 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 it can go. Um, when I started writing it down, there's actually a synergy that happens when you write something down between the brain and the consciousness that kind of makes it more concrete and makes it much easier to retrieve. And it kind of opens a pathway. Um, it develops like a muscle memory, you know, lack of a better word, just like when you're exercising a muscle, when you first start working out, okay, it feels kind of sore. You don't feel so great doing it. You, you might not see a whole lot of difference. And, and, and the movement itself might feel clumsy, right? Just like when you're learning a martial art or something like that or a new skill. But the more we do it, it just becomes second nature. And meditation and accessing these higher levels are, there's no difference in, in what I've learned in, in um, accessing them between that and just developing a new skill. We're just developing a new muscle memory. And uh, working with dreams is the same way. The more we work with something, it's just, it becomes inherently easier, more fluid. And over time, do it long enough, you, we probably won't have to always write them down and this, this, and that. Just like Bruce Lee didn't have to really think it through before he did his one, two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it will become fluid, it's, but it's just a starting point for us. And, um, you know, it's, uh, but the nice thing is, is, you know, just like any practice though, it's like riding a bike, you know, you, the more you do it, and then even if you get away from it a little bit, you come back to it. It's a lot easier than when you first started and, you know, things like that. Yeah. 
Well, this has been totally awesome. Uh, we're going to start wrapping things up. I know you don't, you don't have a whole lot longer. So uh, is there any final things that you want to add? Any announcements? Uh, any shows coming up? Do you want to tell us about anything like that? Gosh. Um, well, for one thing, everyone like, subscribe, and share your channel because I think you're both amazing. Um, I'm really grateful to be here today again. Um, I... I really want to help support, you know, other independent creators like yourselves that are just really red pilling the community. Um, so thank you both for that. First of all, thank you, yeah. thank you. And I would love to both have you on the show sometime if if you would oh, like yeah. to to just kind of maybe just continue this conversation. You know, yeah, um, totally. No, I would love to hear, you know, the shows and films that have influenced you because, I mean, I think a lot of people will gain so much from that, that, you know, just the fact that well, these are more than just stories. Um, you know, I think they've, we're all kind of caught up in the mass media entertainment. Who's not affected by that on some level, unless you're living literally in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're Amish, um, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, Tomorrow night, I will be going live um, on Sci-Fi Decrypted, just, um, although this may air after that, so, but anyways, we'll be just doing Twilight Zone, and then, um, you know, in the following week, um, I think we're going to get into Saturday Night Live, which nice. should be great, so hopefully, you know, you guys just, you know, everybody tune in for that if, if you're drawn to it, um, and uh, I, I do, you know, teach workshops and things locally, although I haven't done any real big events lately, mostly just due to like personal, you know, things going on at home that have just had it keep me, you know, a little more grounded this past year. But I'm hoping to get out there and do more speaking engagements um, this coming year. And um, no, I, you know, I just really, like I said, really appreciate being here and an opportunity to have a really fun conversation with both of you. Yeah. yeah, and by listening, make sure you like and subscribe her channel, Sci-Fi yes. and Comedy Decrypted. <laughs> uh, don't 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 just promote us, you know. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, do you have you have a website too? Correct, uh, Joyful Evolution, I believe. I do. Um, yeah. If for anyone that's interested in learning more about what I do uh, professionally as a psychic and dream analyst, um, my Website is uh, joyfulevolution.com. I've been working as a professional psychic um, since about 2006. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just something that um, I love doing. I love helping people become aware of their own, you know, their own um, sovereignty and their own personal power. I want everyone to be their, you know, be their own guru so to speak. I'm hope, I know that someday being a psychic is going to be silly. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think about it, I used to pay psychics to tell me, no, I mean, I, I don't mean to dismiss what psychics and, and many powerful, you know, there's some wonderful light workers out there, but I mean, just to speak to that really quick is that um, there's going to be a time when, you know, what I do will be obsolete. And I think that's amazing because within us, are psychics. I mean, it's, it's like saying, I'm a professional breather. Yeah. I don't know how to breathe. 
Yeah. And same with dreams. But I'm grateful while we're kind of, you know, some of us just maybe just a couple steps down the road, though, with skills, just like you might go to a, um, someone that teaches martial arts to learn Kung Fu. I mean, it's a starting point. So, um, you know, if you're drawn to my work, that's great. I, I just, you know, I do love to help people just develop what's more intrinsically within them and just to have better, more fulfilling, healthier lives. And that's really my only goal. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So definitely check out that website. Uh, if you're listening to this, thanks for coming on again. This was amazing. Like you said, I'd love to continue it. Uh, definitely some movies I have in mind. that influenced me. If you haven't had a movie influence you, you know, something's wrong. <laughs> like you say, you're living in a cave or off grid or something, but, um, yeah, so this has been awesome. And, uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, check us out on all the other platforms. Find us on Twitter. Um, and make sure you check out Joy's stuff as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. And check out OmniaRadiationBalancer.com and, and uh, you know, protect yourself from all this negative shit that we're being bombarded with. So. Yes. It's important. Very important. Uh, I'm a firm believer in it, otherwise we wouldn't be we wouldn't be talking about it. So uh, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody, and good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.